0: So we're looking for changes in the uterine lining that tell us whether or not you have endo and what stage it is. So far, we've been able to do both. We've done a pilot study and we're moving into a larger clinical trial. And so these are changes that happen in the uterine lining, which can be collected non-surgically. You can do a pipel brush biopsy in an OB-GYN's office. Um, We say that it's similar to a pap smear, but it's happening in the uterus, not at the cervix. Um, and make no mistake, it's not comfortable. No one's signing up to do this for fun, but it's way better than a surgical procedure. And it's less expensive, which I know is something that, you know, everybody talks about because that's, again, goes to access, right? Who has access to the ob Who's going to send them to the surgeon? Who has access to the surgery? You know, all of the, the follow-on effects of that.
1: Hi, I'm Leslie Abraham, a pre- and postnatal expert, DO and exercise specialist with over 11 years of international experience. I am now the founder of Bonjour Baby, a birth prep and postpartum recovery online program. I help new moms just like you preparing for birth and recover after so that you can be ready for the biggest day of your life push with confidence and feel like your own self again in your new mom's body. So if you have questions on how to stay healthy during your pregnancy, prepping your body for birth, preventing diastasis recti or the best way to support your postpartum recovery, this podcast is for you. I created this show to give you simple and scientifically proven tips and insights on pregnancy, birth prep, recovery and motherhood and give you the answers and knowledge you deserve. So if you are currently pregnant, a brand new mom, or a mom of four already, looking for feeling better in your body, and more confident in your mom life, you are at the right place. So tune in, grab your favorite cup of tea, settle comfortably, and let's get this episode started. Welcome back to the Bonjour Baby podcast and to episode 59. Today, I'm chatting with Somer Babarek, CEO and co-founder of Hera Biotech. Hera Biotech began developing the world's first non-surgical tissue-based test capable of both diagnosing and staging endometriosis. As an warrior myself, I was so intrigued and interested in this new solution when I met Sommer. As you may know, today, the only diagnosis that can confirm that one is suffering from endometriosis is a laparoscopy, so a surgery, with the following analysis of tissues, what we call a biopsy. Prior to funding HERA, Sommer spent seven years with the largest life science VC fund in San Antonio, Texas, assisting with diligence activities. Sommer also served in two of the fund's uh, sister companies as the director of clinical operations. She then looked for available technologies in her field of patient women's health. After completing diligence on the underlying technology, Sommer founded Hera Biotech. Sommer came to the show today to talk about the incredible solution that Hera Biotech is bringing to the women's health field, how it works, what's the science behind it, and how it can drastically improve women's lives. Summer did a wonderful job at breaking everything down and explaining how the tech works and make it super easy to understand so you can use th- this information when talking with your healthcare provider. But before we dive in, have you shared the Bonjour Baby podcast with any other moms yet? You know, like your mom's friends or the ladies in your mom Facebook group or in your Baby and Me meeting group. I would be so, so grateful if you could just take up a minute of your time and share this episode with someone that you know and who will find it valuable to their very own journey. Again, I would be so grateful. All you have to do is go to the app or podcast listening platform you're using, click on the share button icon and send it on over. Thank you so much in advance. All right, let's dive into our episode with Summer babarek Hi, Summer. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming here today and chat with me. I'm so glad to have you on for this episode and talk about what this incredible venture of yours and how it is going to revolutionize women's health with Hera Biotech. So thank you so much for coming. But before we begin this episode, would you mind telling us a tiny bit more about yourself?
0: Yes, of course, not a problem. And by the way, thank you so much for having me. I'm just excited to be here. I'm always happy to talk about what we're working on. So um, my background is in entrepreneurship and life science venture capital. So that's my undergrad was in entrepreneurship. My master's is in data analytics. And I worked for a venture capital fund in life sciences uh, for eight years before taking the leap and coming to the other side of the table, so to speak. Uh, and headed down this crazy journey of being an actual entrepreneur with a venture in women's health. Nice, nice. All right, so can you, can you tell
1: us a tiny bit more maybe about, you know, the why behind the venture that you are, are created here? Because every time I have an entrepreneur coming to the show, I like to know about that. So why did they decide to hop on this journey with their company? So can you tell us a bit more about your why? Why Hera Biotech? What was you and your team's deep motivation behind it?
0: Sure, so... My I fell in love with women's health in my undergrad. I had an arduous labor and delivery with my first daughter and invented a medical device around that in my undergrad, um, which is how I got linked up with this venture capital fund that I worked for. And I worked for them for eight years. They were the largest venture capital fund in San Antonio, Texas, which is where I live. And I never saw one women's health venture come through. Mm-hmm. And that was just really shocking to me. And quite frankly, the only female CEOs that were involved were CEOs that my um, senior managing partner put into to place to run a venture. And so I just, when, when the venture fund had fully invested its second round, I worked in clinical operations for two of the fund companies. We exited both of those companies. And I really wanted to get back into women's health because it's my passion I started looking around and saw a lot of technology being developed on the therapeutic side. Mm. But when you really dig into that science, really what we're doing is controlling symptoms. We're not treating disease. And so that was just kind of a flare to me like, oh, we don't understand these diseases, so we're not treating them. We need to better understand these diseases. And so that's when I decided it had to be a diagnostic um, in the women's health space for me. And I was lucky enough to find this technology at UT here in San Antonio at the medical school or the health science center, excuse me. And the two co-inventors are just wonderful human beings. They have very different backgrounds. One spent his whole life in structural biology. He was actually the first to discover the gene set that our panel is based on. Mm. And the other one has spent his whole life in female reproductive oncology, epigenetics, genetics, um, genomics. And so they came together at an oncology conference where Dr. Nicholson, who's the structural biologist, was speaking about this, this gene set, which is called Connexins, and their role in mediating invasive cell behavior. And so they're well studied in oncology and things like that. And he talked about it in the sense that, you know, the only place that they don't really have a place in cancer is that they don't have anything to do with unregulated growth rates. And Dr. Kirma, who was sitting in the audience, immediately just light bulb moment said, "Oh my gosh, that's endometriosis!" <laughs> and so that's where they came together and then started looking at the literature. Saw that really nobody had you know looked at this very closely. Um, Dr. Kirma runs the single cell uh, core facility here at UT, and so they began looking at the tissue, and that was the, gen- the genesis for Hera's technology, which we. have licensed from ut um and that's what we founded hair on wow such a journey <laughs> <laughs> yes that was a long story wasn't it <laughs> no,
1: no absolutely not it, it is very interesting to to know you know the why and
0: everything and it's 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 truly uh, stunning and you know it's it's wonderful it's really interesting i think that that everybody had a why like for yeah. us Everybody had a role in it, and then all these little pieces kind of came together, and it was like, "Oh, well, this makes total sense as a team." <laughs> so Absolutely,
1: funny. and it's even really the case. Every entrepreneur I interview, there is this interesting, you know, story behind it, and it's always mm-hmm. great to share. I feel so. Yeah. Let's dive into, you know, more uh, into the technology and understand you know, what you're doing with HeraBiotic. Mm-hmm. Because it's about uh, making endometriosis diagnosis simple. So, wow. on your website and on your LinkedIn, we can see that you use that specific sentence to describe herabiotic. So, I want to talk about that first because I am an endo warrior, <laughs> as mm-hmm. we are called. And anyone listening to this episode who has endo knows way too well what I'm going to talk about. The long and sinuous road to getting a diagnosis. And I'm not even talking about all the misdiagnoses that are made based on pain only, uh, which are a lot um, from mm-hmm. my own experience and from what I see around me. So I think that it has been shown that there is a gap of four to 11 years between the yeah. onset of the symptoms and women getting diagnosed, which is incredible. So can you explain to us maybe a bit more about how one can get a confirmed diagnosis of endometriosis
0: today? Sure. So the gold standard is a laparoscopic surgery. And the way that I try to describe it, I, I try to make things as, as, as lay terms as possible so that you know, it's easy to understand Um, because that's my background. (laughs) I am not a scientist by training. So, um, the easiest way to think about it for me is this is quite literally the where's Waldo approach to Mm. diagnosis. So the way that we diagnose the disease today is to go look for the problem, which is these lesions that form in the abdominal cavity, It's the peritoneal cavity, but it doesn't really matter. Um, so we're going to look for that problem that's happening there. Um, And then we try to look for tissue that looks like it doesn't belong there. And then we biopsy that tissue. And then the pathology results tells us, oh, that was actually tissue that should have been inside the uterus growing Mm -hmm. wherever it is that you cut it out of. Um, The problem with that is that endometriosis looks so many different ways and it can occur. It's been found on every organ, I believe, in the body Mm -hmm. Um, So it can occur as high as the diaphragm, we say, and then as low as the bowel. And so the surgeon really is, I mean, it's just an impossible task, right? You've got to go find something that looks like it doesn't belong there. It can look a number of different ways, and then you've got to cut it out and hope that you're right. And Mm -hmm. so um, that's how it's diagnosed today, which we at Hera, we really believe that's the main driver right behind that big gap that you see. I know in the US, the average is eight years that most women go. Um, And that's a twofold thing. About half of all the biopsies that get taken during those laparoscopic procedures are negative. Mm -hmm. So what's an OB to do, right? Or a gynecologist to do? We're going to recommend that you go out to have a surgery. Most of the gynecologists aren't doing those surgeries themselves. They're referring their patients out. And then that surgery doesn't work very often. So well, who, who, who wants to do that, right? Like who's signing up to go for a 50-50 shot after surgery? So what we want to do is take diagnosis out of the operating room because we believe it should be done in the office by the gynecologist who's treating this patient, um, and it shouldn't require that you be down and out. I mean, I've had uh, a minimally invasive surgery. I, I'm sure you have too as an warrior. I don't care what they say, (laughs) it hurts, it's painful, and it knocked me out for a week, I wasn't able to do anything. Um, And so we don't want that for a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. You know, I understand that at this point, that is still a way that we can treat this disease, uh, because we don't yet have good therapeutics on the market treating the disease. Oh, that's probably because we don't understand the progression of the disease and how would one get a drug through the clinic? You know, you can't just cut patients open all the time to see if your drug's working. Um, And so what we want to do is take it and put it into the hands of the gynecologist. So our technology is based on the idea that we're going to go after the tissue that's the root cause of the problem. It's the lining in your uterus that's invading outside and creating these lesions out in the abdomen. So, we're looking for changes in the uterine lining that tell us whether or not you have endo and what stage it is. So far, we've been able to do both. We've done a pilot study and we're moving into a larger clinical trial. And so, these are changes that happen in the uterine lining, which can be collected non surgically. Um, you can do a PIPEL brush biopsy in an OBGYN's office. Um, we say that it's similar to a pap smear, but it's happening in the uterus, not at the cervix. Mm-hmm. Um, and make no mistake, it's not comfortable. No one's signing up to do this for fun, but it's way better than a surgical procedure. And it's less expensive, which I know is something that you know everybody talks about because that's again, goes to access, right? Who has access to the OBGYN? Who's going to send them to the surgeon? Who has access to the surgery? You know all of the the follow on effects of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That, that was my personal experience as well. You know, once we were able to see what was going really causing the pain and everything, and it was kind of, a, I mean, to me the diagnosis wasn't was put after the laparoscopy, uh, of course, because they did the biopsy and they were able to confirm that it was endometrioma. Um, but the reason I came into my OB and I wasn't even talking about the pain because, you know, I was told for so long that this was part of cycle and this was what it is that, you know, not even mentioning it at one point. And I am sure, I mean, every single woman who has endo has this story that they're not even talking about the pain anymore because they know the answer will be, oh, just, you know, take some ibuprofen and that's it. Right. And so, you know, it was just like out of just doing some palpation and feeling something. And so we did an ultrasound. We saw maybe a cyst, maybe something else. We didn't know at the time. We did an MRI, confirmed that it was a cyst. We did the surgery. And then we had the confirmation of the diagnosis. But I I, I, ha- I was having this kind of pain as long as I can remember, and I'm 37, right. so we yeah. are talking maybe about a 20 years gap here. Well, we completely missed the point. Um, right. So, I mean, knowing now that we have solutions like, you know, Herabiotic, I will sign 100% for, you know, something non-invasive invasive, mm-hmm. sorry, compared to a real surgery and having... because. They say, they say to you that, you know, after one week you can walk and everything, which is true and you should. But we have to understand that there is like a 12 weeks recovery after this kind of surgery. And okay. we do have to pay attention to our scar tissues, which is not talked about at all because this can create adhesions. This can mimic the pain of endo as well. And, okay. you know, endo can get caught inside of the, the adhesions as well. Not mm-hmm. something talked about too much. So if we can avoid all of that, I mean, right. come on, who did that want that?
0: <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right, though. I mean, and that's, you know, it's so complex. It's so complex. And so I do understand, you know, why it's taken, you know, so long to get here. And, you know, we can talk about disparities in healthcare and things of that nature. And I'm certain that that plays a part of it. But I think the biggest issue here in terms of getting a diagnosis is A, having the symptoms recognized, Mm -hmm. and then B, having an option to do something other than surgery. You know, we talk about it all the time in terms of um, cervical cancer, which is something that a lot of people are more familiar with than endo. So we knew cervical cancer was bad. We knew it was killing people, but we knew that because we were seeing the result of the problem. Then we started doing surgeries to try to look for it. And this is what was going on. Then comes the pap smear where we mm-hmm. figure out that, you know, cellular changes on the top of the cervix actually tell us that this is going to happen. And then we come out, we figure out that HPV is the main culprit here. Then we come out with a vaccine. And, you know, It was all of these follow-on effects, but it wasn't until we had a robust, minimally invasive um, diagnosis or diagnostic rather. That we were able to make all of these other advances, and that's what we hope to be for Endo.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So can you can you tell us a tiny bit more about how the the solution Hera Biotech offers is different from laparoscopy? So we understood that the test is different, mm-hmm. but what you know information are you looking for here from the test? Can you drive us uh,
0: through the um, the test by
1: itself sure. and the results? Yeah.
0: Sure. So this is really exciting. Um, and this is where I will nerd out a little bit scientifically. So when our guys were looking at the technology or w- well, inventing the technology, really, what they decided was, okay, well, the, the uterine lining is what's causing these problems, you know, these lesions to occur out here. So we're going to go look at the uterine lining. And like good researchers, they were getting samples of this tissue and looking at it on a bulk analysis, you know, just kind of is there anything that looks off? And it doesn't look like anything anomalous is happening. But because of Dr. Kierma's experience in single cell analysis, he said, well, let's start looking at the different cell types that make up this tissue and see you know, what's going on. And what they figured out is when you separate the two main cell types, so there's epithelial cells and then there's stromal cells, those two cell types have marked changes in their connexin expression, but they are almost perfectly negatively correlated. So where it goes down in one, it goes up in the other. And so when you look at it on bulk, they cancel each other out, and it looks like nothing's happening. It isn't until you kind of peel the layer of the onion back a little more that you really see these big changes happening, And which is just so true to endo, right? It's complex. Mm-hmm. You've got to dig a little deeper to find the answer. So that's ex- essentially what our test is doing. We take the whole tissue sample, break apart the cell types, and analyze those expression levels in each cell type. Okay, got it,
1: got it. So it is very precise. We go to the, to the root source kind of, like
0: where yes. we really are here. Yes, exactly, exactly.
1: And so can you talk to us, because you mentioned at one point that there was something with gene expression. So is there a gene that is also correlated to one uh, being more at
0: risk for developing endo? So, we don't know the answer to that, okay. right? I mean, we're kind of at the very beginning of the story. So, once we figure out how to robustly diagnose this from a tissue sample, um, and what we're seeing is that the expression levels of these connexins are correlated to the stage of the disease, which tells us that there may be some sort of negative feedback loop where that tissue that's out, you know, creating those lesions and creating all of the problems is actually feeding back into the expression in these cells. And so what we want to understand is, okay, yes, we can binary diagnose it. Yes, no. Then can we stage it? Right now we're in control early stage and late stage. We'd like to get enough data so that we're able to even break that down further so that that can guide clinical decision making. She shouldn't go in for a surgery if she's stage one, you know, we should try some other interventions first and so on and so forth. Once we have that, then it's really just an exercise in collecting the data to understand why does this disease progress differently in some women than in other women? Are there types of endo? Are there, you know, um, not only stages, but are there different expressions that, that tell us it's going to occur here versus there? This is going to be a data collection and data analysis exercise. But that's the exciting piece of it is that once we have the ability to do it, we can collect the data. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, from our standpoint, once we can do this, therapeutic drug manufacturers can actually try to develop drugs that are going after the disease itself. Because even if they had something now that they felt like would treat endo, they can't make a claim on that. Mm-hmm. Because they can't prove that they're reducing lesion count or lesion size. The only thing they can prove is that they're alleviating the symptoms. Because again, you can't cut a patient open multiple times over a clinical trial to look at your efficacy, but you could collect multiple uterine biopsies mm-hmm. and look and see if you're having, you know, an effect on the expression levels.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it it opens the doors of so many things that, you know, understanding, you know, how the cells are reacting to so many factors that we know that are a part of endo and how one is expressing the symptoms of endo. We know about many things. We know about gut, uh, you know, health that has an expression on that. We know about autoimmune disease. We know about so many things that could have an influence on endo that, You know, like as we progress and you're able to gather those data, we could make some, you know, real links here and address all of those myriad of symptoms. Because when I, you know, talk with um, other women who have endo, we hear so many things. We hear women that have, you know, trouble uh, breathing because, you know, maybe of endo on their diaphragm. some are mentioning endo on the lungs, um, but we know it can completely disrupt one's life. So one will be able to understand all the complex intrications and you know and, and how it is influenced. My God, that would be such an advance for women's health. That's that's for sure. Absolutely. And so something else to con- to take into consideration when we talk about endo, and you mentioned that at the beginning of the episode, is the cost. Of Mm -hmm. all the treatments, the surgery and the diagnosis um, have for an individual in the US. And Mm -hmm. that is what makes it not available to everyone. We have to face it too. So Mm -hmm. not even talking about the cost of the infertility treatment, if we want to go that route as well. So will that solution with Herabiotic uh, Mm -hmm. will bring more access to care as well because the overall cost will be decreased? Can you tell us more about that?
0: Sure. So one of the things that we've as we've started down this journey of, of understanding, you know, the surgery and, and pricing and all of those things is um, the average cost of a laparoscopic surgery in the U.S. is about seventeen thousand dollars. Which mm-hmm. that's really high. Also, endosurgeries are especially if they're diagnostic, sometimes considered elective. So elective surgery is not covered. And so it's, it's really kind of a game here, right? And then most people in the U.S. are on a high deductible um, health care plan, which would actually put them on an, uh, the average uh, out-of-pocket maximum is about 5000 per person. So what we did at HERA is we are targeting below that out-of-pocket maximum, because if you go for the surgery you're going to pay for your out of pocket maximum. I mean that's just going to happen. So, we're targeting a $3,000 reimbursement. But that's the other, you know, caveat is we're going for a reimbursable diagnostic test. We are not going for a cash pay elective opportunity. We're wanting this to be something that is reimbursed by insurance carriers and that their patients can afford to get with a copay or or mm-hmm. whether they have to come out of pocket. You know, at least it's less than they would have for the surgery.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That would be incredible, that's for sure. Because it will give more access. That's that's I mean, of course you have to have health insurance if you want to have that reimbursement, but it's already a good, a good step in, in the good way. I would say. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about the, the future of Herabiotics. So do you see this solution helping in the diagnosis
0: of other female, you know, diseases, for instance? We do. We have a, I call it our hit list. Um, and you know, we're not really able to share a lot about it right now because we're working on the intellectual property, but If you think about it in terms of this, our test and the gene set that we're utilizing in that test, there is a strong scientific rationale to go after other diseases where you see that invasive type of behavior. Mm -hmm. Okay. We are looking forward to know more (laughs) in the years
1: coming. So can you tell tell us where people can find more about
0: Herabiotic online or how can they connect with you? Absolutely. So we are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. Um, we have a Facebook page. We're on LinkedIn. And then you can visit us at herabiotech.com as well. And we're, we're always available. We're always posting little things here and there. So we're pretty accessible. Perfect. And I will add all the
1: links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Soma, for your time today. Thank you so much for sharing with us more about Hera Biotech and explaining and nerding with us about what the technology is so we can definitely understand more. So thank you so much again.
0: Of course. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: And that's the end of our episode with Summer Babarik. I'm sure that if you too are dealing with endometriosis and came back from so many years like I did of hearing that cramps and pain were normal to experience during your cycle and period, you're feeling super helpful today for yourself and also for other women out there that might be still struggling with this without being heard. Before we wrap up this episode, if you are currently in the middle of your postpartum recovery journey and struggle with diastasis recti, ping your pants when you sneeze or cough, plateauing in your weight loss journey or simply don't know where to start to support your body's recovery and finally feel like yourself again, you can go ahead and download my free postpartum recovery guide. You will find the link in the show notes and it will give you more insights into what's happening with your body and I'm also sharing five simple exercises to get you started with videos. If you love today's episode, please share it with a friend. Postpartum recovery calls for a lot of adjustments and sometimes we are simply missing the tools that will make us feel better just because we never heard about it. So share away. All you have to do is go to the app or podcast listening platform you're using, click on the share button icon and send it on over. I really appreciate you taking the time to do so. And this helps me support other moms like you take back control of their health and body and embrace this new chapter of their life with confidence. Thank you so much for listening in
0: today. And I will see you next week. Same time, same place, my friend. Until next time.